I'm Sam Freeman, and this is Practicing. Who are we when we're at work? How much of ourselves do we bring with us, and how much do we leave behind? I wanted to speak to Bindu Suresh about those questions and a sense of doubleness I've experienced ever since I started working as a physician. How much of me is wrapped up in my professional identity? How do I protect the parts of me that exist and even thrive outside of medicine? It's a doubleness that I suspect many doctors feel or sense, even if they haven't explicitly identified it. As a fiction writer with an established literary career who also works as a pediatrician, I thought there might be something to learn from Bindu about how she makes space for both her creative work and her medical work, her writing self and her doctoring self. Our conversation led us to the heart of those questions, and to an exploration of work, creativity, and selfhood. Bindu Suresh is a writer and pediatrician living in Montreal. She studied literature at Columbia University and medicine at McGill University. She completed her pediatric residency training at the Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario and at the Montreal Children's Hospital. Along the way, she worked as a reporter and literary critic for the Montreal Gazette, and has lived in Argentina and China. Her debut novel, 26 Knots, was published by Invisible Publishing in 2019. That year, she was named a writer to watch by CBC Books. Here's our conversation. So Bindu Suresh is with me today on Practicing, and I'm really excited to uh, have her join me. Welcome, Bindu. Thanks so much for having me, Sam. I'm delighted. Um, And so I guess for the audience, just aside from, uh, you know, the formal introduction of your career as a physician and as a writer, um, it's also important to note that we are friends and co-workers. We work in the same uh, pediatric emergency center. So that's uh, how I have the privilege of knowing you, I guess, after meeting briefly in residency. So uh, I'm excited to to go deep with you uh, in this discussion. So I wanted to start with you and just maybe have you tell us a little bit about your path into your medical career, how you came to medicine? It's interesting because it was definitely a non-traditional path. I'm, I'm sure I was, I'm sure I was my own special little pile as an applicant. (laughs) Um, So it's, so I'm the uh, daughter of two doctors. I, Uh both my parents are family doctors and uh, both, I think because of that, and they both really love their profession and, they're both from the Indian subcontinent. So I think there was in them also a lot of cultural and traditional pressure to steer me in that kind of direction, um, which I resisted mostly, not because I wasn't interested, um, but because I kind of wanted to explore a little. So it was probably always in the back of my head as really one of the only careers that I knew and I kind of understood how it worked. I'd spent, you know, hours in my parents' clinic when they had to go to work and didn't have a place to put me. Yeah, and they had a shared practice, and they would do on-call at uh, the hospital as well. Uh, so I remember being driven home from school and the pager going off and knowing that that meant 
two or three hours in the little waiting room at the small little town hospital that they worked at. So I like doing your homework or something. Yeah. Or even I actually, what I'd found were these terrifying readers digest anthologies (laughs) in the tiny little room that they put me in and obviously started reading them because there's nothing to do, but they were definitely not for children. (laughs) Um, So I grew up knowing that I wanted to be a writer and then the desire to go into medicine okay, came wait, later. So, so tell me, you grew knowing, like, grew up, you were 6, 10, 15. How I soon was been, that instinct, that urge in you? I must have been about 12 or 13. Okay. Yeah. And I started writing poetry, actually, before I started writing anything longer. Was that something else that was in your home? A love of literature? No, um, not really. There's definitely a love of learning and a love of education, uh, but I, I was definitely the artiest member of the family. I remember dragging them to a film version of Hamlet when I was 16. I think it was the four-hour Kenneth Branagh version, mm-hmm. which is, of course, amazing. And they all fell asleep. But I thought it was great. <laughs> wow. Okay, so you you graduated from Columbia. And then then what did what happened next? What did you do next? In the summer between when I left the humanities program and went to New York, I was a, I guess they're called summer replacements at the Montreal Gazette. So I moved to Montreal for the first time (laughs) and lived here for four months and was a general assignment reporter. So at the age of 20, 20? yeah, yeah, it was funny because I kept trying to rent me a car to go to cover stories and realizing that I couldn't legally do so. (laughs) (laughs) Because I had to be 21. They're like, oh, we were sending Bindu, but we forgot she's too young. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's great. And that so that will come to feed a little bit of your your novel, uh, 26 Knots, which we're going to talk about. But that experience, I guess, of being a young, young beat reporter uh, in Montreal. Okay, so you got a taste for journalism that way. Yep. And then did you go work in journalism after? A little bit. So after I graduated, so even those four months um, were very instructive. It, it made me realize that journalism, as much as I thought, because I think what I was trying to find was a job that I could do alongside writing. And I was kind of going through the list of what I had seen others do. So for mm-hmm. example, Hemingway or Garcia Marquez was a journalist um, and so it occurred, I was like, okay, well, these greats were also journalists. Maybe that's, it involves writing. Maybe that's a good other job to have. Um, but I wasn't enough of an extrovert to do it. I chasing people down every day and asking them often intrusive questions was, I, I, I admire anyone who does that. And I came out with nothing but I was so impressed with my journalistic colleagues for all of the work they do to expose stories for the general public. It's such an important role, but I couldn't do it. Like huh. I, I liked the part when I went back to the newsroom and wrote the story. I liked the writing part, not the journalism right. part. Not the and reporting. That, exactly. And that became clear to me as something that was integral to be happy in that job. So I kind of shifted off a little bit. It was very valuable to have discovered that so early, because I think I could have persisted in that direction for a long time. 
And, and then I moved to uh, literary reviews. So for about a year, I did literary reviews for the Montreal Gazette. And then this is while I was in Argentina, which is where I moved after Colombia. Okay. So you were living in Argentina and writing yes. book reviews. For the Gazette. Okay. And then eventually, once I spoke Spanish well enough, I started working for a newspaper in Buenos Aires as well. <laughs> and so how are we finally getting you to med school? Yes, Did right. You? It seems like I'm going off yeah. in the other direction. <laughs> yeah. So I realize that um, literary reviews are probably also not something I could do for 40 years. So my next thought was, I love teaching. I love literature. I love, you know, being in the university environment, which is, of course, all you know at that point. <laughs> and so I thought of uh, being becoming an academic. But at the same time, I was realizing I was and I was actually working on 26 knots at this point in Argentina, I actually started working on it when I was 20. And when I moved to New York. So this is a book that was a long time in the works. And I realized that if I was spending two to three hours a day writing, the best kind of work to complement that would be something that wasn't as solitary. I liked the solitariness of it, but I didn't want to pick something else that was also solitary. So the idea of being an academic and spending a long, uh, most of one's time doing research, kind of alone in a library or alone at home reading texts, I realized I needed to do the opposite of writing. I need okay. to, to satisfy that other part of me that does like being around people. That <laughs> So I said that I was too introverted to be a journalist, but I'm not introverted enough to just be a writer. All right. So you're seeing medicine as a entry point to humanity. But when you made the decision, you were like, was it like a lightning strike? Like, aha, this is what I have to do? Or was were you more ambivalent? Did it feel weird because precisely because it was what your parents did? So I think it, it was interestingly very methodical. I sat down <laughs> and I had a few lists. And I was like, okay, I'm going to start considering careers from scratch. I'm like, okay, so medicine. And I had another sheet that said law. I, I kind of made my pros and cons list for medicine. And I was like, I think that this is what I should do. And then in terms of it being what my parents wanted me to do all along, that, that was interesting. So for me, I was intent, I think, my whole life to not to know, you know, to, to know my own heart and to know my own mind and to be self-aware about what I was choosing and why. And so I neither wanted to do something because they wanted me to, but I also didn't want to not do something that would have been good for me because they wanted me to. I thought yeah. that was equally restrictive. And my right. what I wanted was to not be restricted. I wanted to be free. So I had to be very careful to give it a chance, to not reject it out of hand because it's what they wanted. Um, so you ended up in medical school at McGill. Yes. And, and did you connect with it? Was it, 
what you had been seeking once you started? Was, was it a good experience? I wish I still had that pros and cons list that I'd obviously drawn up by hand way back in, you know, 2005, because it turned out, I turned out to like it and to be suited for it more than I had imagined. And also that the pros and cons that I had thought medicine would entail for me were, I think, wrong. Like, I, I don't think that was a correct list. I don't think I knew what I was doing. But I had, like, you know, by the end of it, a different list of pros and cons. And I was even gladder that I had done it. Like, it turns out that this career that was chosen for very practical reasons that I could enumerate in a list turned out to be soulfully the right thing for me as well. Can you, as writing. Can you- can you tell me a little more about that, how it connects with your soul? I think one of the things that I still love about medicine and I realized early on was such a huge part of its draw for me was that it's just amazing to possess that body of knowledge. Mm-hmm. It's just so interesting. So regardless of the human component, which I think comes later, like a, in the first few years of medical school, you're in a classroom, you don't, you can kind of extrapolate to the relationships that you'll have and the relationship to the work and the relationship to, to patients, which I think you really get, you know, in your clerkship and then in residency, as you have a little more responsibility. Right. Doing more rotations in, in yeah. hospital settings. Yeah. But I've always, one of the things I love about medicine is the possession of that body of knowledge and being able to disseminate it in a way that is helpful and useful to people. So even the acquisition of that body of knowledge for me was very much something I enjoyed. And I came to enjoy it even further when I saw what it could do Mm -hmm. in terms of making, this is going to sound cheesy, but, but making people's lives better. But in terms of like what you were seeking the experience of connecting with other people, being in a, in a helping profession, if I can use that phrase, like, was that, was that panning out in a way that met your expectations? Yes. Were you connecting with the career, with the calling? Yes, I, I definitely was. I say I would get to the end of a particularly brutal neonatal ICU shift, which I think we can agree were always the most brutal. <laughs> I don't know what your experience is. In pediatric was. training, they're, they're some of the worst for sure. <laughs> they're the worst ones. Uh, yeah. They can be the best ones, but also the worst ones. Yeah, they're um, hard. But I remember coming home from what was probably the worst one and talking to my boyfriend at the time. I guess he was probably my fiance already at that point. And I remember being exhausted and telling him about the brutal night, um, but still feeling so lucky that you never have to doubt that you're helping someone or that every single minute of that 24 hours that I spent was helpful, was useful, you know? So like I, I, And I I decided early on that I I wanted to do pediatrics because of how how connected and enjoyable it was to be around kids and how, I don't know, I felt I understood them intuitively. I felt 
we all like having that few seconds of playfulness with every patient, you know? Um, right. So that I, I got early, you know, as soon as I started residency, I could have that. And yeah, I think the feeling of connection to being an, doing something important for another human being. I feel like I appreciated that early. All right. And so had that part of you, that writing part of you taken a back seat a little bit because yes. medical school is so intense. Okay. Yes. So it's funny, Sam, I, in my first month of medical school, so I was determined that I was going to both do medical school and write on the side. Mm-hmm. So I did this the first I'm month. I'm now not surprised that that was your goal. <laughs> the first month I spent, you know how they used to record classes? I don't know. They did it at McGill. They were recorded classes. Yeah, not so where I went, but. I, I, was, I thought, okay, I'm going to go to half of them and then I'm going to spend the afternoons writing and then I'm going to watch the classes before the exam that I missed. So I happily went through the first month and then obviously did not realize the volume of material I was leaving for the last week to look at for the first time and passed my first med school exam by a hair, <laughs> by a hair. Right. So I, I was like, oh, this is clearly not how one could do med school. So I, I did, actually completely left writing to the side. I thought, okay. well, I, like I'm in medical school. I want to do this well. Uh, the idea had been that I was going to try to do both well. Like the idea was never to kind of skimp on the medical school side. I just had false ideas about how, uh, whether or not that could be done. Right, right. So then I completely put it to the side. I don't think I wrote a single word in four years. So that's actually more, that's, that's quite dramatic. Yeah. Because that's a, that was a big part of you. And were yeah. you, were you missing that? Were you insecure about that? Yes, both. Um, I missed it. Um, I think it, it definitely was a part of my, I think the way I made, the way I consoled myself was with the idea of taking this year off between medical school and residency uh, to, to work on some writing. And I was, I was scared. I, I, as a writer doing something like doing something non-arty as your career pursuit, you somehow, if you've ingested the, you know, the diet of the capital R romantics, then you are, you know, weakening your talent, Hmm. (laughs) you know, you're losing the, uh, you know, you're, you're letting that part of your mind lay dormant and who knows if it'll ever wake up. So I was Which confident is so that- <laughs> funny because, um, when I've contemplated not doing clinical medicine for a prolonged period, like not weeks, not months, but maybe years, I had the same fear. And I think people, physicians have that fear that if you stop, it's hard to get back into it because there's such a momentum and confidence and need for kind of a practice to it. So it's, it's an interesting parallel to me that both your main pursuits are kind of, um, they're tough, they're demanding. Um, they're demanding. (laughs) 
So and so you're I, trying to balance both, yes, but, but you yeah. really had to go toward um, medical training while you were in med school. Yeah, I realized that you, I couldn't do it halfway. I wasn't mm-hmm. doing it justice by trying to do another endeavor also well to completion. So I just had to put it aside. And have your thoughts about that changed now? No, I'm, 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 I'm glad I did that. I think that was the only way. Uh, I think it But I mean, in terms of how you're balancing your work, your pediatrician, um, I think it's fair to say you work part-time. Yeah. But nonetheless, like, I know where you work. I work there too. It's intense. <laughs> it's physically draining. We see a lot of kids. We do long shifts. Um and you're doing that and also still being a writer, right? Yes. So now you are doing both. Yes. And yes. how's that going for you? Yeah. So the it's interesting because it's the plan that I had always had is that, you know, 23-year-old in, you know, that apartment in Buenos Aires that's actually finally come to fruition. So now is the test of whether or not that was actually a good idea. <laughs> it's happening now. <laughs> right. So um, I actually think it's, I think it is working because they How do. How are you doing it? They do complement different parts of me. I'm doing, I'm, I've, I'm trying to learn with the schedule. It's taken me a while to realize that I have to group my doctor work days together Okay. So that when I do have a few days off in a row to write, there's some momentum that can can be built. Because the first day back, you know, the first day that's not a clinic day is actually just still doing stuff for the clinic. It's doing, you know, your your replies to con to you know to your consultation replies and your checking results and calling patients. So that that next day isn't really a real day, <laughs> right? Um, and of course. Um, I have two young kids, so they take up at least a third of this time that we're, if we're talking about being a doctor and a writer, there's also being a mom, which takes as much time as either easily. So I'm doing it slowly, but surely. I think, I think I have no deadline. As long as I'm writing a little bit and making a little bit of progress, you know, every week or two, I'm happy. Yeah. And I am. I'm actually like I'm starting a second book and I've made decent progress despite exactly as you say kind of our our work schedule. I want to I want to understand that better. I I I'm really interested um in talking to you in part cuz I'm interested in the in the kind of idea of creativity and how how it uh fuels people but also creativity within the medical profession, to me anyway, um, of all the qualities that one would traditionally associate with physicians, or even that one would say an ideal physician should possess, I'm not sure that creativity is going to be in the top (laughs) five or maybe even 10. Um, But I'm I've wondered and want to sort of understand from you who actually has a creative practice very, very explicitly, that's a big part of your life. If you think that there is a, 
a benefit to you, to your practice of medicine, to having that other part of you, as you say, that's doing that imagining. That's interesting because I, I don't making. know. I don't know that I've ever isolated it within myself as a quality, you know, like I don't know what parts of how I am face to face as a doctor are employing that creativity. It could be that it could be that it's coming out in, you know, how personable I might be with a patient or how I would explain something or how it might be really on that kind of interpersonal level. I don't know how or if it comes out in the actual, you know, diagnosis, management. Maybe it does, but I don't know. I don't know if I can pinpoint, you know, where the creative me is in yeah. my medical day. Do you listen, do you, do you mine your encounters, your experiences at work for crew content for fiction characters or so not really images. actually I, I i thought that i would have i think i put that on my list of pros my argentina list of pros i was like oh, oh yeah so many people's stories this can only help but i don't think i ever have um i think because early on i realized that anytime i try to include something real like any element of autobiography anything that had happened to anyone i knew uh, it read as less realistic to me as fiction. Mm. Like it really works for me, at least. I find my most believable scenes, my most believable characters, the more they are completely made up, the more true they sound. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe, but that said, I, I use little things from my day-to-day -day life in my writing all the time. Little things like uh, how a scarf looks or, uh, you know, I, I, like details. De mm -hmm. Details come out, but I don't know that stories come out, like people's S lives. Right. So it's pretty, um, I, what I'm getting, what I'm hearing is it's actually pretty compartmentalized in a way. Yeah, I guess it is. I didn't realize that until you asked these questions, Sam, but I think it is. It's like, I, and it feels like I'm using a different part of my brain and myself. I want to talk about your book for a second, 26 Knots, that, that you published in, in 2019, right? That is a short novel, but a densely poetic one and full of these twists and turns, love affairs, separation, um, even a fake death. Um, like what, what is it about those themes that, that compels you? Where did that book come from? It's interesting that, I mean, I guess we'll see what I write in the future, but I imagine that 26 knots will be the work that I do that has the most of me in it. It's kind of where I learned that lesson, about how much of your own life you put into something. So some of the scenes, I think it was because it's what I knew. So a lot of the the early scenes where journalists are going off to cover a story, I chose stories that I had covered as a journalist. <laughs> I, right. you know, it was so much more 
interested in the interrelationships that doing kind of the, what I considered the needless extra work of ensuring verisimilitude in the rest seemed unnecessary. So I would pick places I knew, stories I knew, things I had done, and the emotional kind of thrust behind it all was, for me, writing out of a lot of the kind of tormented capital R romantic relationships I had in my 20s. Mm-hmm. While, while none of the relationships in the book is mine, a lot of the, I guess, the power behind the feelings of the characters comes from things that I'd experienced. So I did put a lot of my own experience, if not literally, then at least emotionally, into the writing of this book. So, so it's it's the novel of your early twenties. Is kind of yes, what I'm hearing you say. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and um, you more recently, like quite recently, you had a a short story published called No Visitors that um, you wrote for the CBC's transmission series, which I, as I understand it, is like a, a series of commissioned short fiction. Yes. And that that one's set during the COVID pandemic um, and features characters who who are physicians. Is that something you were trying out or is this the beginning of you kind of putting your fiction into that medical world? Yeah, so that's a that's a really interesting question because I I'm still trying to decide about that. It's very tempting to do, but it's to write, um, you know, to write about medicine, to write about our world as physicians, nurses, hospitals, ailments, recovery, that entire universe that I now know so well. Uh, and that is so compelling because it's, it's the life or death stories that are often the kind of emotional touchstones or intense periods of people's lives. I'm trying to strike a balance between jumping fully into that world and using, I guess, my pen to explore it Mm -hmm. and trying to stick to what it is I love about writing, which is interrelationships and character and and poetry i know they're not mutually exclusive but i think i'm kind of lightly i'm kind of dipping my toe in the pool so for example Mm -hmm. i had i had a doctor at the very beginning of that story i had a, a minor character who was a medical resident in the book i'm writing now i have a nurse it kind of allowed me to put some of my scenes in a hospital and in an environment that I knew without actually making someone a doctor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm, I'm flirting with it, Sam. I still haven't decided what, what's best, what I want to do. Yeah. You seem um, tentative about that. Yeah. I just like think if I, if I were to push a little bit, like almost there's something about it that um, is like a line that maybe you, you shouldn't cross. I think I don't, I think what I'm afraid of is that it will be how 
I lose that kind of 50-50 split in my life of being a doctor and a writer, which I treasure. I love mm-hmm. being both. Mm-hmm. I think I'm afraid that if I write about being a doctor, then the writer is gone. So you're you're actually feeling that you you need the separation. It's a bit of a defense in a way. I think so. I think so. Um because you're like maintaining these two these two worlds or these two bindus who are like who work well each in their own worlds in their own environment. I think I also some of it is I think an identity question for me. Like I really resist whenever like no one has actually described me as this like out loud anyway. <laughs> and it's not a bad there's nothing, you know, there's nothing wrong with this description, but I really don't see myself as a doctor who writes. Okay. What do and you I, see yourself as? <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm I'm both a doctor who writes and a writer who doctors. Yeah. You know, I feel like I'm both of those things equally. So I think if I write, I think I'm, I'm worried that if I write about medicine, then I am a doctor who writes. Yeah. I don't know. I, that's, I, I definitely see that, um, like my, my secret hope and my long-term plan, even as, even as I'm saying this, Sam, is to write like I can see myself writing a book with doctors and the medical world in it. I kind of already have an outline. It's it's almost too perfect not to go there eventually. Yeah, too. how but, could you but not? My, but my I want to do it I guess in a way that protects my initial like my all of my original instincts and desires as a writer. Like the things that I went into writing for, I want to preserve. That makes a lot of sense to me. I'm thinking that you are fortunate because you have this pursuit, this other passion that's very, as we've said, it's demanding, it's challenging, it's kind of like impossibly daunting to me. But you have it and you do it and it's totally your own and separate from your work as a physician. And I do think though, that every person, every person who is a doctor has a part of themselves. That's also separate from their, from their being a physician, but because it doesn't have a name or an explicit activity, it might be harder to, define that and therefore to to protect it. Um, And maybe in a way that's why people can sometimes get lost in this work or get a little bit or a lot um, overwhelmed by it and overtaken by it. Um, So it's, it's just interesting to me to hear you like navigate that, that duality, um, in what you do, which is a duality in yourself also. Yeah. Uh, And it makes me just want to be like, you need to really protect that. Yeah. Um, 
and I'm sure you will write one or many amazing uh, novels that touch on the work we do or the world we work in. But like, you know, when it, when it's what you need to do creatively, then I guess you'll do it. I think it'll be not this one, but maybe the one after I'm lightly planning. I'm pre contemplative about it. (laughs) (laughs) That's a very nerdy little (laughs) medical joke for those who will catch it. Well, this has been really interesting to get to know you better and to understand how you got to do this fascinating combination of things. Um, For me too, Sam. I actually how you how you balance them and how you see them in conversation with each other or or not. I really feel like I actually understand myself a bit more after this, Sam. <laughs> Thank you so much. That was my conversation with Bindu Suresh. Her novel, 26 Knots, is published by Invisible Publishing. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and rate it on the platform of your choice and spread the word. And if you have any comments or guest suggestions, please don't hesitate to reach out to the show's website, practicingpod.com. That's practicing with a C. I'll be back with more conversations on practicing, so stay tuned. Practicing is hosted, written, and produced by me, Sam Freeman. Sarah Freeman provides invaluable editorial advice. Artwork is by Jeff Landman. Music is by Mr. Smith, made available under Creative Commons licensing. Thanks also to Juniper Belshaw, Jeff Dyke, Katerina Haddad, Jess Malls, Howard Mitnick, Ezra Siller, and Catherine Tang.